everybody, and welcome to the NFL Roadshow Fantasy 15 for Week 17, which is, of course, Championship Week in fantasy and therefore our last Fantasy 15 of the year. We'll still be doing our Monday and midweek shows uh, about the games, just not the Friday edition focused on fantasy moving forward. But let's go out strong today with some good weather games this weekend. Which is nice. After last week, we've got five games in domes this week and really no notable weather to speak of in any of the other games. So we can kind of play it straight, save for, of course, the concerns that we might have in a few places about teams that are or are not incentivized this weekend. Frankly, the Titans and the Cowboys were kind of the biggest concerns of the week in that department for me, and they're already done playing. I'm a little concerned about the Jags going hard in the second half since their game doesn't really mean anything. I know that Doug Peterson has pushed back on that, but I think it's fair to wonder how quickly he might pull the plug on starters there if they take a lead or potentially a big hit. And by the way, Trevor Lawrence is listed as questionable for that one. He is expected to play as he has played through the toe injury already, but we won't know for sure if he's going to do that this week until Sunday. So let's cross our fingers that he does play because the quarterback position is kind of a mess this week. And that is where we start our fantasy 15. Let's break the huddle. Okay, recapping the quarterback news this week. There's so much of it, you guys. So first of all, Jalen Hurts is officially doubtful, which historically means that he will not play. I don't think anybody who has been doubtful this year has gone on to play in the game, which means that we are looking at week number two of Gardner Minshew. As for the Ravens, it's going to be Tyler Huntley instead of Lamar Jackson. Teddy Bridgewater is starting for the Dolphins instead of Tua, who is concussed again. Carson Wentz is starting instead of Taylor Heineke. That's a coach's decision. Mike White is back from that ribs injury. Hallelujah. Instead of Zach Wilson. David Blau is getting the start for the Cardinals instead of Colt McCoy. He had concussion-like symptoms popped up late in the week, wasn't out on the practice field on Friday, and that's how we learned that he wasn't going to get the start this week. David Blau, again, will be the guy. Jared Stidham, of course, as we've discussed quite a bit this week, is going to be the starting quarterback for the Raiders instead of Derek Carr, and Nick Foles is getting the start again for Indy. I say again because Matt Harmon and Austin Eckler do a fantasy podcast together for Yahoo, and Matt Harmon was uh, able to break that news to Austin Eckler while they were doing the show. He goes, oh, it just popped up. They said that they're going with Nick Foles again this week. And Eckler's response, having seen him, of course, head to head this past week, he goes, again? So that tells you everything that we need to know about Nick Foles and how that move is viewed around the league. Uh, literally half the teams this week will be playing with different quarterbacks than they had in week one. I'm counting Davis Mills and the Texans in this category, though technically he's the same starter that they had in week one. Now he's rotating with Jeff Driscoll, so I think that they belong there. Uh, other teams that fall into that category, different starters, Falcons, Cardinals, Colts, Dolphins, Saints, Panthers, Browns, Niners, Raiders, Jets, Rams, Steelers, Ravens, and Titans. You guys, ugh. So that said, this is the week to play your stud, for the most part, kind of regardless of matchup to a degree. And I say that with this in mind. I'm looking at the matchups for these regular starters at quarterback, and I have concerns about almost all of them. I think Allen and Burrow are fine, weirdly, because they're both going up against good defenses. But that Monday night football game, to me, has barn burner written all over it. I think they'll both get you there. Mahomes against Denver, right? If you open up DraftKings, you're going to see a big red one by his name. Uh, Herbert has scored in single digits in two straight. 
My guess is most people still have to play him depending on who else you have access to. Like, and, and it's a case-by-case basis type thing. Like if I had Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert, I would play Lawrence. If I had Kirk Cousins as another option, I would play Kirk Cousins. If I had Goff as another option, I would play Goff. Uh, but I wouldn't play Brady. I wouldn't play Geno. I wouldn't play Gino against the Jets, by the way. Bad matchup. I wouldn't play Daniel Jones. I wouldn't play Aaron Rodgers, even though his matchup is good. That's just me. So Herbert, I think, has become kind of a a weird call that you're going to have to make. I tend to think that he's not going to go three straight games without scoring a touchdown, but I would have also guessed that he wouldn't go one game against Tennessee without throwing one, and then I would have definitely guessed that he wouldn't go two straight games without scoring one. So who knows, but he is one of the better quarterbacks. And against Tennessee, he still threw for over 300 yards. It just didn't reach the end zone. And last week, uh, if Keenan hadn't stepped out of bounds, did he step out of bounds? We can debate that at a later date. Then he would have had a touchdown. Anyway, it's fluky, and it's right there. So I think you continue going with Herbert unless you have a better option, and the better options are few and far between. Justin Fields had a bad game last week, nine points. I told you to play him despite the weather and the matchup. I banged the table. Um, I shamed you into starting him potentially. I apologize for that. It was bad advice. I'm going to tell you to go back to that well this week, though, in season long, for sure. This week's game is inside. Uh, There is no weather. It's against the defense, allowing the most points to quarterbacks on the year. And although Detroit has played better recently on defense, not last week, they've still allowed the seventh most points in the last month to quarterbacks. So again, Play him in season long. Now, having banged that table, I'm now going to verbalize my concerns about him this week. (laughs) I know, I'm an odd person. The Bears in general are not scoring the way that they were during that midseason stretch when they averaged 31 points per game. That number is down to 19 points per game in the last month. And while Fields has still topped 20 fantasy points twice, we're not seeing those 100-plus rushing outputs that we were seeing. No, don't get me wrong. He's still posting really nice rushing numbers. You'll take it outside of last week. But I wonder if it's just too obvious that he's the entire offense there in Chicago, especially since they've lost some uh, wide receivers in the last few weeks and just haven't had what bare bones talent they had to start off with. They haven't even had that for the last few weeks. And so I'm wondering if that's just made it easier for the defense to defend. Despite his immense talent, you know that the whole goal is to just stop Justin Fields. And I wonder if that's affecting the numbers. Um, Plus, he said he had a hard time putting all of his weight on his foot last week, the foot that was injured. He also aggravated a shoulder injury, so he's banged up. He's not playing 100% from a physical standpoint. So what's the point that I'm trying to make? The point is, I don't think that I'm expecting 30 points from him this week. I don't think that that is the upside. I think it's closer to 20, which is why I told you to play him in season long, Um, though I could be wrong about all of this. I also have concerns about the other quarterback in that game, Jared Goff, who's probably going to be the most popular streaming and DFS option at quarterback. I know I'm a barrel of sunshine today, Um, but here's why you, you would think about playing him because he's at home. First of all, you've heard all season probably about the road home split, so you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about weather because they're in a dome. They're supposed to score a ton of points. Lions have the highest implied total of the week, higher than the Chiefs who are playing the Broncos, so that's bonkers. My concern is that the Bears are easy to run on, so you could also throw on them, but most teams don't because they're so easy to run on. So you end up with a scenario where they're allowing 209 yards per game through the air 
and 151 yards on the ground. So I went back and I looked at what the Lions have done in games like this. And the last time they faced a run funnel defense, the Giants, they ran the ball 32 times compared to 26 passes. They had 160 yards rushing and 165 passing. One week earlier than that, they took the same approach against Chicago. 31 rushes, 26 pass attempts. Goff's line was 236 passing and one touchdown. His fantasy score, 14.8. So I think it's possible that we're expecting one thing and we'll get something different. And 14.8 isn't the worst thing in the world, but I think it's not what people are expecting. And I think we have to expect that that's within our range of outcomes since it's literally what he did against this same very team earlier this season. I might be overthinking this, but I think it's worth putting on your radar. If you do want to roll the dice on golf, the price is great in daily, just $5,600. I think in that format in particular, it is worth the gamble. Gardner Minshew, I also like in that price range uh, it, for DFS at $5,500. And also as a streamer in season long, he's got the Saints. He stepped in last week. He scored 22.7 points against Dallas. I think the offense is very good. There are some concerns about Lane Johnson not being in front of him on the line. This is a game that the Eagles would very much like to win. It's not a must win, but man, would they like to win this game against New Orleans. And I think they can do that with Gardner Minshew. He can run the offense. They can be productive. They can wrap up that one seed and then rest everybody in week 18. And then also in the first round of the postseason. As far as the running backs go this week, Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler spent most of the week on the injury report, but did come off it on Friday, so you don't have to worry about them. And who boy, does CMC have a great matchup against the Raiders, allowing the third most fantasy points on the year. That could be a fun one, that game, by the way, with Josh Jacobs on the other side in a much tougher matchup, San Francisco allowing just 3.3 yards per game on the ground. It's the lowest number in the league. They're allowing the fewest fantasy points to running backs also. And Jacobs is already coming off a six-point outing against Pittsburgh. So you might be wondering, should I play him? I think you have to. And I think that the volume will be there without Carr at quarterback too, right? Wouldn't that be a weird game to pivot off of Josh Jacobs and be like, let's take it to the air, Jared Stidham in your first ever start. I feel like that probably calls for a more conservative approach in terms of run-pass ratio, and they have already made it clear they're happy to run Jacobs into the ground. Let him run into the Niners' wall, and maybe that will open things up for Jared Stidham. Um, But I think you can count on some volume for Jacobs. And look, when McCaffrey was with the Panthers, he scored on San Francisco. He put up 23 fantasy points with 54 yards rushing, 50 receiving, and a touchdown. I think that Jacobs could do that. And at the very least, I think you can get what Kenneth Walker got on them, which was 11.9 points a couple of weeks ago. That's not what you want from Jacobs, but probably won't lose you your matchup either. You know, it's funny. A lot of running backs showed up on the injury report this week that you ultimately don't need to worry about, like CMC, like Eckler, like Kamara, who scrubbed his Instagram and then missed two practices for personal reasons. They wouldn't say what the personal reasons were, and that kind of worried me. But then all of a sudden, Kamara showed up at practice on Friday and does not have an injury designation, so apparently he's going to play on Sunday. James Conner missed practices this week with an illness, but he is also off the injury report and is going to go, and I like him a lot in this matchup 
against the Falcons. He's had massive volume since week 10. I'm sure it's tied to the change in quarterback. 20-plus touches in four of the last six games. He scored 20-plus points in four of the last six also. The quarterback switch to Blau this week, to me, that spells handoff to Connor as much as possible, especially since it happened at the last minute. They don't have time to put in a totally different game plan. He's $7,200, so he's not cheap, but he's not expensive either. Also in that game, Tyler Algier, who had a great game last week against Baltimore, 18 rush attempts for 74 yards, four catches for 43 yards. Arizona has the 25th ranked run defense, and this is an intangible thing that I can't quite put a number to, but I don't think they're playing for Kingsbury anymore. It's kind of a small thing, but did you notice how Cliff Kingsbury said in his press conference the day after J.J. Watt announced his retirement that they didn't know he was going to announce that, and they found out when he posted it? Obviously, J.J. Watt does not have to go in and tell them that kind of thing first, but if the relationship was what you would ideally want it to be, my thought is that he probably would have. It's a small thing. Maybe it means nothing. I kind of think that we've been reading body language and stuff like that in Denver all year, and we've seen it blow up in the last couple of weeks. I kind of get a similar, you know, same but different, (laughs) but similar feeling out of Arizona. Uh, Cam Akers is another popular play on the lower end this week for good reason. He's RB5 in the last four games with 34 points last week against the aforementioned Denver Broncos. He scored 13 points the week before, though, uh, 19 in week 13 and 9 in week 14. He has had no fewer than 13 touches in that time frame, and he's got the Chargers this week who are allowing 5.3 yards per carry on the season. Looks like they will have Joey Bosa back for that one, so that could be huge for the Chargers' defense. Unfortunately, they're losing Derwin James at the same time. He will not be active in that game. Brian Robinson is an interesting play this week against the Browns, who have allowed the third most fantasy points to running backs on the year. This is a guy who Washington gave the ball to 22 times on the ground last week against the Niners when it wasn't working. That's how committed to running the ball through him they were. And now the matchup is good and Antonio Gibson is out. So this feels like a good play. I will say, and I don't want to ruin any excitement parades, though that does seem to be my theme today. Sorry about that. Robinson's not a guy who routinely posts big numbers. He's only reached 21 time this year, and his next best outing was 14. He only put up 5.8 last week with those 22 carries, so they don't use him a lot in the passing game. So you're kind of banking on him scoring a touchdown here, or else you could be looking at a low teens kind of number, even in a best-case scenario. If you're plugging him in as a flex or a streamer in season long, you can still win with that, especially since we've seen some high-end guys posting single digits lately. But I just want you to know, I'm not sure he has a super high ceiling, which is why I'm not smashing him into my lineups in DFS. In fact, in DFS, I think I prefer a guy who is $200 cheaper, who I think has a higher ceiling, albeit definitely a lower floor, and that is Jamal Williams from the Lions. I know, it's been a rough go. After that touchdown binge of his midseason, he hasn't scored a touchdown in four weeks, and his fantasy outputs have been gross as a result. We've seen stuff in the three-point range. Bears, though, have the third-worst rush defense and have allowed the second-most running back touchdowns. 
I think there is a greater possibility than we've seen in the last few weeks for sure that he gets into the end zone. I don't think that I would feel comfortable playing him in my championship in season long unless I was desperate for some reason, but I do think that he's an interesting play in DFS at just $5,000. I also like the idea of going back to Zonovan Knight this week at $5,100. He's got the Seahawks, who in the last two months have allowed the most fantasy points to running backs and the second most rushing touchdowns. He was awful with Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson's not playing this week. And his splits are way different with Mike White. Scores an average of 12 points more per game, just with the different quarterback. I think that Mike White gets defenses out of the box a little bit more, opens things up for the run game. And I think that that's a massive priority for the Jets this week. They've talked a lot there about how the running game was atrocious and how that has to turn around. And I think that Zonovan gives them the best chance to make that happen in a game where I think they are their best plan of attack is to run the ball against Seattle quite a bit for reasons that I'll get into when I talk about Garrett Wilson. Another guy that I like a little bit higher up the pricing sheet that I haven't heard people talking about this week is Jerick McKinnon at $6,000. This guy was RB1 in week 14 when he last faced the team that he's facing this week, the Broncos. He had nine targets in that game, seven catches, 112 yards, and two scores. That was all through the air, not what he did on the ground. He didn't do much of anything meaningful on the ground. So again, RB1 that week, turned around the next week, was RB1 for the entire league the week after that too. Didn't do anything crazy last week, but he still scored in double digits. I think this is an interesting play. And again, it's $6,000. If the upside is what we saw a couple of weeks ago against the Broncos, then why not roll the dice there? At wide receiver, Justin Jefferson is $9,500 in daily, which is so expensive for a wide receiver. But the crazy thing is, he's probably worth it. And I'll probably pay it. Wide receiver one on the year, he scored 30 plus in three straight games. He's put up 36 times this season and narrowly missed out on that one other time. So six times 30 and then another times 29 point something. As for his opponent this week, it is Green Bay. Faced them in week one, put up 184 yards receiving and two scores for 39 points. Jair Alexander this week said it was a fluke. I am willing to bet that it wasn't. After him, I don't love the idea of paying up for the other top guys. Dolphins receivers have Teddy instead of Tua, so a ding at their ceiling in that department, potentially. Devontae has Jarrett Stidham, though if you have him in season long, I say stick with him. I just had this conversation with Colleen Wolf of NFL Network. She was wondering what she should do, nervous about playing him in the championship game, coming off a three-point performance last week. I know last week was rough, but I just think if I am a young quarterback who's looking to make a mark and earn a job moving forward, I'm getting the ball to my best guy and letting him make plays. And honestly, My guess is that's the message McDaniels is probably giving Jared Stidham. I watched a Derek Carr tape breakdown this week by J.T. O'Sullivan, who's been on the show before. And one of the things that kept popping up was him taking the check down instead of pushing it downfield. When there were downfield options, but when there was maybe some pressure coming. There were plays left on the field as a result. And I don't know if that was by design or if that was Derek's decision, but my guess is that Stidham is going to go out there having watched that from the sideline and specifically not do that. I think he throws it up to Adams, lets his playmaker make plays, and we just have to hope that he can do that accurately enough for Adams to come down with them. 
because we did not have that luxury with D-Hop last week. He was targeted 10 times, only caught one of those balls with that catch radius. How crazy is that? And by the way, D-Hop is questionable this week. Hurt his knee in practice Friday and left early, so that is not great. But even if he does play, he'll have to do so with yet another new quarterback. Colt McCoy, who was supposed to play this week, who of course was not the guy who threw the ball in his direction 10 times with only one catch. That was Trace McSorley. Colt McCoy was supposed to come back this week. They realized he had a concussion on Friday, pulled him. Now it's going to be David Blau. I can't believe I'm saying this, but if D-Hop does play and you have another option, I don't think you have to play D-Hop in your season-long championship game. I don't think you can guarantee that he's going to get the ball. I don't think we can guarantee anything about that offense except for handoffs to James Conner, which feels safe. Know what else feels safe to me? Amonra St. Brown. I love him this week at $7,800 in daily, even if Goff doesn't go crazy. We know that most of his passing production is going to go to this guy. 43 targets in the last four games. Even in that week 10 game against the Bears that I mentioned, when Goff did not throw it a ton, Amonra still had 119 yards on 10 catches. I think he'll be super chalky because of the high point total and how he's the obvious pass catching option there. But in cash, I think he gets you there. Keenan Allen is worth mentioning also because he's been crushing it in the last month. He is sixth in fantasy points, second in targets. We all know he's not scoring touchdowns or else Herbert wouldn't be putting up eight or five points. But Allen is still putting up tons of points. 20-plus in three of the last four games. I think you can count on him against the Rams for $7,000. I don't hate Jerry Judy at $6,400 either, and that is big because I can't even believe I'm talking about a Broncos passing asset in a um, positive way. (laughs) He's wide receiver three in the last three weeks, despite everything. Wide receiver nine in points per game since week 12. He's averaging 19 points a game in that time, despite being wide receiver 32 in targets. His 80% catch rate is one of the highest in the league in that time. I'd stay away from Michael Pittman. Unfortunately, the passing attack just looked so bad last week. I don't think that you can trust it. And Garrett Wilson's tough for me this week for a few reasons. On the one hand, he's $5,500, which is so inexpensive for a receiver that's as good as he is, especially knowing that he's even better with Mike White. Just listen to these numbers, averages through three games with Mike White. 10 targets, 112 yards, 21 and a half fantasy points. That's what he's averaging with Mike White at quarterback. Okay, so that's good. And that makes me want to play Garrett Wilson. But then I look at the matchup. And I have second thoughts. Seattle is allowing the third fewest fantasy points per game to wide receivers on the year. And since week nine, they have allowed a total of 34.9 points to wide receivers lined up out wide. Since week nine. That's a total, that's two months worth of games. They've given up a total of 34.9 fantasy points. And you probably know Garrett Wilson lines up out wide. The majority of the time. You may recall back in week 14, DJ Moore contributed exactly zero points in his outing against Seattle. Put up a goose egg, 0 for 3. Where they give up points, the Seahawks, to wide receivers, four times as many, in fact, is to wide receivers in the slot, where Garrett rotates through but doesn't primarily play. So there's part of me that thinks that I might be overthinking this because Wilson is 
good and good wide receivers make plays and how much would I hate myself if I put Garrett Wilson on my bench and he just goes off. I'm just not sure if that's realistic to expect him going off. So I guess this is a long way of saying buyer beware. Um, In DFS, at least, I think that I'm probably going to stay away. And I started the week thinking that he was one of the guys that I wanted to plug into my lineup the most because of the price and because I've just been waiting for Mike White to come back to unlock him again. I might have to wait another week. I'm not sure what to do with Christian Watson because the matchup is good against the Vikings, but we just don't know how his hip is. He left the game early last week, didn't play the second half, missed a couple of practices this week, did return on Friday, but that's a walkthrough, and now he's questionable. So we're going to have to wait on his status. And it's an afternoon game, which makes it tougher for season long. So if you do have him, make sure you have a backup. If you have Alan Lazard, he would be a good option. Uh, He gets a bump in this matchup if Watson can't play. Vikings allowing the most fantasy points to wide receivers on the year. I think Drake London could be a good streaming or low-end DFS option for you also. Coming off a nine-target, seven-catch, 96-yard game against Baltimore, he scored low double digits in three straight games now. I think you can probably expect that against Arizona also, against a secondary that just lost Buda Baker to injury. He's priced at $4,900. I also like Jahan Dotson at $4,600. His last few outings have been really good, 19, 20, and 16 fantasy points respectively. He also scored a lot of points in the first two games of the year when he had Carson Wentz at quarterback. Wentz is, of course, starting again this week for the first time this year with a run game behind him. Remember, the commanders never really got that part of their offense going when he was their quarterback the first time. So I'm interested to see what that whole offense looks like now. Wentz, unafraid to chuck it downfield to guys like Dotson, and he might have a better chance to do that successfully now that Robinson is there to keep the defenses honest. At the tight end position, I know I've punted it for the last couple of weeks and haven't said anything. I've got some thoughts. First of all, Dulcich is out, so you don't have access to him. Get him out of your lineup. Ingram, Hawkinson, and Kelsey have been way out-targeting the other tight ends in the last three weeks with 33, 33, and 37. That's great volume. You have to prioritize those three guys. Kittle is also back to must-start status now that Brock Purdy's the quarterback with 10 catches, 213 yards, and four touchdowns in the last two games. And Knox and Higby have also been scoring points, 16 and 15 per in the last three games. Goddard only scored nine in his first game back, but he ran a season-high 33 routes, was on the field for 91% of the snaps. Those are obviously great usage numbers, and I assume that the targets will come, so I would continue to turn to him. Also worth mentioning this week, Tyler Conklin. The Seahawks, as we've known all year, are a great matchup for tight ends. You saw what Kittle and Kelsey did against them for the last two weeks. Conklin is not Kittle or Kelsey, but I think he can get you double digits, especially with Mike White back in the mix for New York. All right, that's going to do it for us for week 17, and that's going to do it for the Fantasy 15 this year. I hope that it's been helpful for you in some way, shape, or form. Obviously not touching on everybody in the league, but the primary guys in the primary matchups that jump out at me for one reason or another. We'll be back again on Monday with another NFL Roadshow episode to break down what ensues this weekend. If you're a subscriber to the pod, it'll pop up as soon as it's available later in the day on Monday. 
If you're not, hit that subscribe button now. We've got episodes coming out every Monday and then a midweek episode also, and we will continue to do that throughout the postseason. For Andrew Emmer, who is our outstanding producer, I'm Lindsay Rhodes. Really appreciate you guys listening to the show and sticking with us this season. And I hope you win your fantasy championships this weekend. And if you're not in the championship, like I'm not in my championships, I'm out. I'm over, you guys. Boo, you're taking fantasy advice from me. You might want to rethink that. I'm going to go try and win some money in DFS. The NFL Roadshow is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network, and I'll see you back here again on Monday. SiriusXM Podcasts.